The U.S. has increased its currency supply by a massive $5 trillion since February of last year. And now, inflation is raging at a 13-year high, with the price of many essentials for living, like food, fuel, housing, and healthcare, up double digits from last year. Are we now witnessing the death of the dollar? Perhaps not, or at least not quite yet. The situation is more complicated than most realize. We passed three stimulus plans, an infrastructure bill, and we know another one's coming. And yet the dollar's up, right? So my point is that I'm, I'm not defending the dollar and I'm not telling you not to buy gold and I'm not telling you to not prepare for inflation. I'm just saying, if you look at the facts of the matter, it's not as simple as, you know, money printer go burr and the dollar falls. It's more complicated than that. The other thing I would say is, you know, think about all the money they've printed since 2008. Well, in 2008, the dollar index was at 80 and now it's at 90. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Adam Taggart, founder of Wealthion, welcoming you back for another week of making sense of money and the markets so that you can make better informed decisions about building your wealth. There's an old saying, buy land. They're not making any more of it. Well, you know what they are making a lot more of? Dollars and euros and yen and yuan. Since the COVID pandemic hit last year, the Federal Reserve, the ECB, the Bank of Japan, and the People's Bank of China have increased their balance sheets by a collective $11 trillion. That's a 50% increase in just over a year. So it's little surprise that we're seeing a resulting spike in prices as our devalued currencies lose their purchasing power. Where will this end? And what can be done to protect our wealth from this inflation? To address these questions, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Brent Johnson, CEO of Santiago Capital and creator of the Dollar Milkshake Theory. Brent, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Hey, it's really my pleasure, Brent. So let's get started with a question that I ask all my guests first, uh, just before introducing any potential biases. What is your current assessment of the global economy and financial markets? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty loaded question, but uh, long story short is uh, I think that we are in a very, very uncertain time. And that probably goes without saying, uh, but the reason I keep bringing it up with, with everybody I talk to is I feel like no matter who I talk to, whichever camp, whether it's the inflation camp or the deflation camp or the gold camp or the Bitcoin camp or the equities camp, whichever camp they're in, they're absolutely certain that they are correct. Um, the deflationists are absolutely certain we're good. This is all going to end in a collapse. The inflationists are all certain that it's going to end up with the dollar going to zero. You know, the gold uh, aficionados believe we're going back to the gold standard. The Bitcoin crowd thinks that Bitcoin is going to take over the world. And not, they don't really believe it, but they believe it with certainty. And I just think it's a very, very uncertain time. And I think uh, despite the high levels of asset prices, um, the economy is not in as good a shape as those prices would otherwise indicate. All right. Um, well, I want to get into that with you in terms of how you think that might reconcile, um, whether we're going to see a boost in growth to justify these prices or whether we're going to see some price correction, maybe. Um, but let's hold off on that just for a moment because I want to provide a little bit of context beforehand. In the introduction, I mentioned that you were the creator of the dollar milkshake theory, which I think shorthand for it says, hey, don't count the dollar out just yet. 
Um, but don't let me put words in your mouth. Can you just quickly summarize the theory for folks who aren't familiar with it? Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, uh, to be honest. And it's, it's funny to, to see other people talk about it from time to time, uh, especially when they, 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 they misunderstand it and talk about it anyway. Um, the dollar milkshake theory is essentially one that says that, yes, while fiat money is a very poor store of value over the long term and that its intrinsic value always returns to zero, in the short term, one of those fiat currencies is going to rise versus all the other fiat currencies. And I believe that that is going to be the dollar for several reasons. Um, and not, not, not the least of which is that we are the, the global reserve currency and that has an inherent network effect to keep it stronger than the others. Um, and as that dollar, as that fiat dollar gets stronger versus the fiat yuan, fiat euro, fiat rand, fiat uh, real, et cetera, et cetera, that that will cause all kinds of global chaos in the global markets. And uh, as a result, I think it is going to end up being a vicious cycle where dollar strength begets more dollar strength. Um, this isn't something that I necessarily like. <laughs> I, people often label me a defender of the system or somebody who believes that the dollar is the greatest currency ever existed, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's not the case at all. In fact, I don't like, yeah, I'd be very happy if this doesn't happen. Um, it's just that I think it's going to. And so the, the, the dollar milkshake theory, the name comes from the fact that, as you alluded at the very beginning in the last year, but really the last 12 years or even 20 years, countries around the world have, quote unquote, printed all of this money and provided all of this liquidity to the markets. I think as we enter a sovereign debt crisis, when debt finally matters, whenever that is, when debt finally matters and we enter, I think we will enter a sovereign debt crisis, I think the dollar will suck up all of that global liquidity that's been provided. And I think it's going to push the dollar higher than many people think is warranted and probably higher than many people think is possible. Um, so, so that's the theory. That, that's where the name comes from. All right. And, and would you mind just diving into a little bit further why you think when there is a sovereign debt crisis, and then presumably uh, I'm assuming you think it's going to happen in many countries at the same time, yes. why you think that's going to force more capital into uh, the dollar market and make the dollar stronger? Yeah, well, the main reason, and I should probably take a step back to set this up correctly, is sometimes it's hard for people in the United States to get this theory. And whereas when I speak to people in other countries, they often get it much quicker. And the reason they get it much quicker is people outside the United States think in terms of two currencies. People in the United States really only think in terms of dollars because that's really all we have to think in because we do have the global reserve currency. Um, if you live in Brazil or South Africa or, or, or the UK or China or Japan, you not only use your local currency, but if you act on the world stage, whether you're an importer or an exporter, if you're a buyer of commodities or a seller of commodities or, or, or just any you know, trade invoice, those are priced in dollars. Um, that's the fact that, that that's just the result of the dollar being the global reserve currency. And so even though, you know, you may count your local currency, you know, and use your local currency when you go down to the grocery store, if you're conducting business on the world stage, you're doing it in dollars. And so if you if you walk onto the beach in Rio de Janeiro and you ask a local what the dollar exchange rate, they will know. Same thing in Moscow, same thing in Japan, same thing in Australia. 
But if you walk in, down into Dallas and ask them what the exchange rate to Canada is, they're, they're not going to know, or very unlikely that they're going to know because they just don't need to know. Um, and so that, that, that in itself puts more demand for dollars than a lot of other currencies. Um, the other reason is that you mentioned again, I, I keep coming back to, you know, all, everybody's doing the same thing. If the U.S. was the only country, you know, printing all this money, had that had all this debt, that had slow growth, then I would perhaps say that go buy another fiat currency, go buy the euro, the yen. But, but the reality is, is those other countries and those other governments are in the same situation that we are. So we're all kind of in this together. And as a result, all the countries are going to quote unquote print, right? This isn't a uniquely American phenomenon. So if, 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 if supply is going to be equally given or, or, or given all over the world, then it's gonna come down to a matter of demand. And there's just a lot more demand for the dollar than there is for any other currency. Part of the reason is what I was talking about earlier about the, being the global reserve currency. It's the currency that global trade is priced in. But it also has to do with the uh, global um, debt. Um, now, a lot of people know that global debt is off the charts and you know there's debt in all these other currencies, but there is an equal amount of US dollar debt that's been issued by entities outside the United States as entities inside the United States. So entities outside the United States owe dollars. And if you owe dollars, that means that you have a demand to get those dollars in order to pay them back. And so all the global debt in the world that's priced in dollars acts as a automatic demand on the dollar. And these dollars that exist outside the United States, it's called the Euro dollar market. Um, so dollars, you know, if, if there's a there's a bank in France that has extended a dollar loan to a company in Turkey. That's called a euro dollar, even though so it's a it's a dollar that's being used for commerce, even though it's not inside domestic United States. That U.S. dollar market outside the United States or the euro dollar market is orders of magnitude bigger than the U.S. dollar market in the United States. So there, the the bottom line is that there's an incredible amount of demand for dollars outside the United States. Now I will often be told, well, if things really get bad, then these countries or these companies, they'll just default on their dollar loans and they'll walk away. Well, that's potentially a solution. But the problem is, is because we live in a debt-based system and money is loaned into existence, if you default on debt, debt it, it, has a, it has a cascading effect going back to the original collateral off of which it was loaned. And so you get a credit crisis, which actually causes dollar supply to contract. That's exactly what we saw a year ago in February and March of 2020. The other thing that people forget is that in the euro dollar system, it's not Americans or American firms that are loaning that money to somebody outside the United States. It's entities outside the United States are extending that credit to somebody outside the United States. So if that money gets defaulted on, you're not defaulting on the United States, you're defaulting on somebody outside the United States. So you're defaulting on a French bank or a European bank or, or, or a German bank or a South African bank or a Japanese bank. You know, if you're gonna walk away and wipe out the debts, you're also wiping out somebody's asset. So it's not quite as simple to just walk away from the dollar debt as, as it might otherwise uh, be inferred. And then the last thing is that the U.S. reinforces the dollar as a global reserve currency 
through the military. And a lot of people don't like it when I say that. And I know a lot of people think that the United States military is on its decline and, you know, we're, we're going to have, and, you know, with what's going on in Afghanistan, it's, it's, it's easily, it's easy to question, you know, the, the, the effectiveness of, of our army or our military. But the reality is, is on a relative basis, our army and our military is far and away bigger than any other competitor. Um, so, you know, it's possible that countries will try to get out from underneath the dollar, but the ones that have tried to do it so far have been less than successful in doing that. It doesn't mean that they don't want to, it doesn't mean that they won't try, it's just, it typically uh, doesn't work for, 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 for a number of reasons that I've just mentioned. All right, great. So um, thanks for going through that. Now, yeah. you recently got back from a conference uh, with a lot of really other august speakers. Um, it was hosted by Blockwords, um, and it was titled The Future of Money. And interestingly, it was appropriately held at Bretton Woods, where the uh, current uh, global monetary system was agreed to back at the end of World War II. So you were in a really interesting place uh, related to money with a bunch of really smart people who are experts in money. What were some of the key insights you took away from that gathering? Yeah, well, it was, it was a really great event. Um, you know, it was, it was, first of all, it was just cool to be there at the place where, you know, the current monetary system was designed and agreed to. And then, you know, speaking with a number of different people who, I mean, I'm very interested in this topic, obviously, right? You know, to not just the history of it, but the current the implications of it. Um, and speaking to people who are also thinking about the same topic and how it could transition. It was just, it was just very fun and interesting. And I think, what made it interesting this time, as opposed to, you know, maybe if we held it five years ago or certainly 10 years ago, was the number of, of people who are either working on or interested in the digital asset part of uh, uh, the, the future of money, um, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or some other, you know, central bank digital currency. Uh, so we had a number of discussions around that that I don't think would have taken place. Perhaps they would have taken place if the conference was four or five years ago, but probably not if it was 10 years ago. And the speed with which and the uh, appetite with which, I guess I would say, that, that people and corporations and governments are interested in these digital assets, um, you just can't ignore it. Um, I'm convinced that you know, central bank digital currencies are going to be a thing. Um, this was something that developed in the private market, but I think very quickly, or perhaps not quickly, but you know, perhaps they've come around right, you know, later than they should have, but central banks have come around to the power that these, that, they, that these digital currencies provide. And I think that they are going to do whatever they can to kind of usurp that, <laughs> that expertise that the, that the private market came up with and use it for their own design. So I think that was probably the most interesting uh, part of it. The, the interesting thing, the other interesting thing about it for me personally was that I was one of the few people who were saying that it's not going to change as soon as many others think it is, right? It, again, it's interesting to think about the change, and I think it will eventually change, but I think it'll take longer to play out than many people think. I think there's a number, and perhaps I'm wrong on this, but my perception is that a lot of people think that this is right around the corner. You know, uh, we've had our run. Um, the U.S. is doomed to fail, and that means, you know, whether China or Europe or someone else is going to take over the mantle, and we're going to have a new global reserve currency, whether it's issued by a country or it's Bitcoin, you know, in the next few years. And I, 
I just don't think that's the case. I think this is going to take a lot longer to play out than many people think it is. So, so, but having those discussions was obviously very interesting. All right, great. Well, look, I want to get into cryptocurrency side of things. Um, and, and really more the larger topic is if we're concerned about sort of purchasing power of all fiat currencies, you know, what yep. should investors do to protect their wealth? So I do want to get there, but maybe start slightly at a higher level first. Um, we are now seeing the valuations uh, of almost any kind of financial asset, uh, and not just prices, but actual valuation metrics are at all time highs, right? And that's probably, you know, a lot of that's due to the huge amount of, of fresh liquidity that's uh, sloshing around the system here. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty challenging to, to find an asset now that's not trading near its all-time right. price high. And, and we're right. seeing a lot of the same sort of signs of excess that we've seen at past market manias. Uh, I was just reading an article today that uh, Lance Roberts had, had put out, mm -hmm. um, but was talking about a, 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 an NFT portrait of a rock that just yeah. sold for $100,000, right? And he was comparing it to yeah. the pet rock craze back in the 1970s, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my question for you is, you know, are, are prices now sort of permanently distorted by all of this currency expansion um, that, that we've seen? Um, and, and again, it's, it's, it's currency expansion on the central bank side, that's monetary stimulus, but we've also had a ton of fiscal stimulus that's been sure. entering the system and continues to. Um, you know, are, are, again, are prices just permanently deformed at this point, meaning we don't really think they're going to be heading, heading in reverse? Or to your earlier point, are we in a position here where prices, the market has is being priced for a fantasy that, that, that can't be realized? And at some point, there's going to have to be some sort of correction. Yeah, so I am in the camp that prices are going to go higher in the years ahead. But I do think that before, but I do, I think we're overdue for a correction. Um, I do not think that we're going to have, you know, the 1929 style crash where it goes down and asset prices stay down for the next 10 years. I can't rule it out. Again, I think we should be prepared for it, but that's not my base case. I, I do think that uh, in many ways, I think that the actions of the central banks, again, over the last 12 years and certainly over the last 12 to 15 months have pushed prices higher um, and clearly higher than they otherwise would have been without, you know, without their, their actions. Um, but I also think that, you know, despite those actions and despite that they will continue those actions, I do think that we will have, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say a retest of last March. I, I think it's unlikely that we go back down to those levels. Uh, but I think we could very easily have a 10 or 20% correction in, in the broad markets. And part of the reason is that, um, you know, I have been to a certain extent um, labeled a deflationist or someone in the deflation camp versus the inflation camp. And um, I, I don't love that characterization, but I also don't mind it. And I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, I feel like I could flip pretty easily. And I do think that we will end in high levels of inflation. I don't think that we are there as far as consistently rising inflation. Um, because I think largely what happened, I think for that to happen, you need to have the banks loaning money. And that's the banks, the commercial banks are who create, call it 80 or 90% of the money supply. The, the Fed and the other central banks, they create base money. 
But to really, in my opinion, to really get consistently uh, rising inflation, you need the banks to be lending and really multiplying that that money out, and they're just right. not doing it. They have to, they have to be lending it out, but yeah, it's right now they're not, it's just pulling up as excess reserves at the Fed, right? That's right. That's right. Um, And those excess reserves at the Fed, they they can't really, they can't really leave the banking system. They're they're kind of stuck in, in the banks, for lack of a better word. This is ironically, this is not to go off topic, but this is part of the reason that I think central bank digital currencies are, are coming to the fore because I think the, the, the treasury and the governments have figured this out. And this is a way to bypass the banks and go directly to the people, right? And that would be a way to get money into the hands of the public a little bit more efficiently. But as it stands now- hey, so, so, Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I just wanna clarify yeah. that point. So basically yeah. what, you're seeing, you're, what you're saying is you see a future where uh, the US issues a digital dollar, just say for yep. lack of a different term, and instead of, to stimulate the economy, instead of the treasury borrowing from the Fed or the Fed buying, you know, bunch of assets from the banks and then hoping the banks lend it out. Um, instead, you're going to see basically the government just give people direct money, um, digital currency going direct from the government into individuals' bank accounts. Certainly, but certainly possible. And, and I think that I think that they have. I think they see that as a way for them to potentially not just get money into the hands of the public, but get it into the hands of the public who they want to have it. I mean, think about the politician, the powerful senator or politician who could get a bill passed that says we want, you know, the people in the auto industry, just for lack of a better one, to, you know, this initiative, right? So now everybody in Detroit or all the companies in the automotive industry, they they get money in their bank accounts more than everybody else, you know, or, or, or a certain industry or a certain subset of the population, or maybe it's everybody, but the point is, is, it's, or and maybe they have a, a control on it that says, you know what, here's this money. If you don't spend it in the next 60 days, it expires. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm, it's just all speculation, but it's all also possible. Right. right? But it's, all, it's all possible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so the, the it, it's an extremely powerful tool. And, um, you know, I, I say this a lot that a lot of people don't realize that the, the, the currency of a country is one of the biggest tools that a government has. And, you know, the, the power that these digital currencies and, you know, have, I, I, I think it's too tempting for any government to pass up. So I think it's just a matter of time uh, before these become a reality. All right. So I just want to tie together a couple of, of thoughts here. Um, so one is, uh, you know, we're already having uncomfortable price increases in a lot of just the essentials for living. Right. Sure. You know, we, we've had a lot of, you know, food, fuel, housing, et cetera. They've, those have all gone up double digits in the past year. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, that's in the here and now. Uh, if, if, if we were to enter the type of future that you're talking about, and I, I know that you're just saying it's possible, but, mm-hmm. but bear with me for a second. Yeah. So if, if we have the government directly putting, you know, digital dollars in people's accounts that they can spend or maybe will expire if they don't spend. That's going to solve the big problem the government has had today trying to goose growth, which is um, money velocity has been declining. That is going to explode money velocity, right? But that is going to be hugely inflationary, right? And if you look at the purchasing power of the dollar, dollar just turned 50, uh, what, about a week ago. Um, I turned 50 myself about two weeks before Mm -hmm. that. So it's very personally meaningful for me. Uh, but, But since... 
since my birth, basically, since the formation of the current fiat version of the, the US dollar, it's lost about 85% of its purchasing power, right? So, you know, I, 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 I connect the dots that you're connecting and thinking like, oh my God, the dollar is just going to be worth nothing, you know, if right. they, if they uh, end up actually, you know, going to a digital currency that, that goes direct to, to, to the people. I'm not necessarily saying, saying it's good or it's bad. I'm just saying I don't see anything other than its purchasing power just tremendously accelerating at a faster rate. So um, what do you have to say about that? I mean, does the issuance of uh, global CBDCs, central bank uh, digital currencies, does that sort of hasten the end of the fiat monetary system? Sure, we can get those dollars, well, euros, yens out there, but will they buy anything? I, I think I think it would it would hasten the end, uh, or it would, it would uh, what's the right way to say it? It would speed up this the inflationary storm that many people have been expecting for a long time, right? I mean, this is this this is another step on the path towards very high levels of inflation. It sort of depends on where the government gets this money to then again. This is going to get a little complicated. <laughs> the, That's the okay. We've system, got smart viewers here. No, no, no. The, the, the monetary system, on the one hand, is extremely simple. On the other hand, is extremely complicated. Um, you know, if the government starts issuing digital dollars and they send it to people individually and it expires in six months, based on that alone, then yes, that is going to, I would say that that's going to be inflationary. But it also depends on where do they get those dollars? Are they just quote unquote, printing those out of thin air. In other words, the same way they print Federal Reserve notes. You know, you know, it'll be digital, so it won't be physical. But like if, if currently the Fed were literally physically printing $100 bills and sending them to everybody, that would be wildly inflationary. That's when people talk about if the Fed reserves were actually physical dollars and handed out, that would be wildly inflationary. Then that would then I would say that's inflation. But if they are borrowing money and then issuing digital dollars against the debt, and that's where they get the dollars, then you've got this huge increase in debt, which sort of offsets the growth that would come from giving the dollars out, right? So again, it gets back to whether again it gets back to whether these currency reserves are cash or not, right? And if 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 the if the treasury just all of a sudden just starts printing like actually printing money and giving it to people that is inflationary that's when you hear people like Lacey Hunt and by the way if i if i should have told you this before the interview you did with Lacey Hunt earlier this year i don't know if it was 3 months ago or so, i thought it was the best interview i've ever heard Lacey Hunt did and he walked through this in extremely great detail chart by chart and explained to everybody why inflation is not necessarily right around the corner. And I would encourage everybody to go back and watch that because I'm very much in Lacey's camp. And the point that I would make is that, and I think, I don't want to speak for Lacey, but I think what he would say as well is, based on the way the system is now, whenever money gets spent, there's debt that offsets it. It's, a, you know, money's loaned into existence. So it's not just money printing. But and so the 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 velocity of money gets slower and slower and slower and slower, and the, the return on each new incremental you know unit of debt is lower and lower and lower until there's really the only last thing that the central bank can do is say the reserves are now legal tender. And then you get the explosive inflation, right? 
And I, I think that's what Lacey would say is you get an incrementally slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down until the final thing that the central bank can do is monetize those reserves, turn them into legal tender. And then you get this asymmetric move out from this low velocity to extremely high velocity and you get the extremely high levels of inflation. And so while I think that will ultimately happen, I just don't think we're there yet. You have to be ready for it. I'm not ruling it out, but I just, I, that's not my base case. I would say that what Lacey is saying, that the fact that, you know, the amount of debt that we have um, weighs heavily on the monetary system and the fact that the banks are not willing to loan the money out, you know, against their reserves, um, is an indication that they're not expecting to get that money back, right? <laughs> With interest rates very low, and the fact that they can, you know, get that overnight rate from the Fed just by buying bonds or, 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 or parking their money at reserves, and the fact that they won't go out and loan something out tells you that they're not expecting a very high level of return on those loans, or they would do it. If you've ever met anybody on Wall Street, I promise you they love to make money. And the fact that they're not lending that money out should be an indication that they don't think they're going to make money if they make those loans, right? And so this is why I this is this is why I say I am absolutely a hundred percent on board with 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 the people who say the dollar loses value over time. You know, gold and silver is going to go higher. Um, fiat currency returns to its you know historical value, which is zero. I get it. You need to be prepared for it, but please don't go 100% all in on it. Uh, you need to be prepared for the other scenario too, which is the one that Lacey talks about, which it ends up in a debt collapse, right? Um, you can't rule that out. You can't completely take that off the table. Now, are the central banks going to do everything in their power to keep that from happening? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean it won't happen anyway. Um, I, I, as, as an example, I would say your dollar 15 months ago, it, it, it's, it's purchasing power increased rapidly in a four-week period, right? And you can't rule that out happening again. Now, the central banks got it under control. They provided liquidity. And since we've seen prices rise, but you can't rule out the possibility of that same deflationary thing taking over again. Um, and I, I think to a certain extent, this is what I was talking about earlier, is I feel like everybody in their own campus is absolutely certain that they're right. And I, I would caution against certainty. <laughs> I, I, would, I would encourage people to be kind of understand why it could happen, be prepared for it to happen, but not go all in on it. Anyway, that's my, that, that, that's my soapbox for the day. No, no, it's, it's a great soapbox. <laughs> and, and, and even beyond just this topic, right? I mean, that's why you diversify, right? It's because right. Your, your plan A may not work out no matter how compelling right. it seems to you, right? Um, right. All right, Brent, uh, so many questions. Uh, too little time left to get through all of them, but I'm going to try to do the best I can. Um, first is um, just asking you to pontificate, not going to hold you to this prediction, but but in your own personal estimation, what probability do you think is higher? Uh, you mentioned earlier, you used the term, you know, when debt matters. Um, yeah. Are we going to get to, do you see us getting to a, and this could happen over many years, but do you see us getting to a debt crisis first or a currency crisis first? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a tough it's, question. It's, I know. It's, it's sorry. a tough question. Be, well, because, well, here's why it, it's tough is because in today, again, there's so these questions, the, the, the answers get so nuanced that 
it's going to sound like I'm hedging my bets and I'm not. It's just trying to explain it in the right way is very hard because. Sure. sure. And let, let me just underscore that yeah. there, there are so many cross currents going on here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, why, yeah. it's why our viewers are watching videos like this is because they're just yeah. trying to get pieces of the puzzle. So don't. Right. Don't feel no, like no, you've no. got to give the answer to everything. Well, well, the reason it's so nuanced is because in a debt based monetary system, to a certain extent, debt is money. Right. And so. It's, I would say it's almost impossible to have a debt crisis without having a simultaneous currency crisis. Perhaps you said a dollar, if you said a, a dollar crisis, maybe that, maybe that would be, that would be the opposite. And that was sort of the spirit of the question. Okay, okay, been more okay. specific. So with okay. your U.S. focus yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Oh, then I absolutely believe that we're going to have a debt crisis long before we have a problem with the dollar going to zero. Okay, great. I, Can you give yeah. us the sixty seconds? Um, yeah, it's 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 literally the dollar milkshake theory. I think that all this debt in the world, when it starts to matter, it won't just matter in the United States. Again, whatever throw, whatever stones or you want to throw at the United States, whatever you know, bad labels you want to put on us on us from a fiscal or governmental or monetary perspective, I I, I will absolutely agree with you that they are appropriate, as long as you also agree that they're appropriate when looking at Canada and Germany and Italy and Australia and China and Japan, everybody's in the same situation, right? So when debt matters, I think it will matter for everybody. But I don't think that we're going to have a debt crisis in the United States and everybody's still going to be buying Italian treasury bonds. I don't think we're going to be selling U.S. treasuries because you're not going to get packed, but everybody's going to be buying you know, Australian treasury bonds. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think Despite all of our problems, for many of the reasons I highlighted at the beginning of the conversation, the dollar will be the last currency to fall. And as a result, the U.S. treasuries will be the last treasuries to fall versus the, the other sovereigns. And so while I think we will have a sovereign crisis, I think the sovereign crisis will start at the edges and move to the center. And the U.S. will go through the sovereign crisis last. We'll go through it. We're not going to get out of this alive. But I think it'll happen to us last. All right, great. You 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 just answered the point I was going to try to interject with, which is that collapse tends to happen from the outside in, from the weaker players right. first, right? And so as, right. as those weaker countries begin to buckle, um, right. a they're going to need to repay at least until they default their yeah. um, their dollar denominated loans. Uh, but That's then the right. rest of the world, as it gets more and more spooked, is going to seek a safe haven. In the yep. U.S. as well, compounding that. So um, this, there's that. This is actually a good. There's a point I want to make, and, and I, I think it will help people kind of think through this. Now, when I talk about the dollar going higher, I mean versus its fiat pairs, yen, euro, reals, rubles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that we will ultimately get into a time period where the dollar and gold rise together versus all the other fiat currencies. Okay, and. The other thing I would say is a lot of people think that you can't have inflation with a rising dollar, which is completely wrong. Well, in, a, in an absolute sense, you can't, but the dollar can rise versus all other fiat currencies. And you can still have high levels of inflation because if they're all being devalued against real things, but the dollar is being devalued less than everything else, the dollar and the gold would rise versus all those other currencies. Right. So, if, if, if and, I may, can I just interject yeah, with one analogy that helps me and you yeah, tell me if this yeah. is right or wrong, but it's sort of like Einstein's, you know, theory of relativity, where it sort of depends on where the observer is. Right. And when I think about currencies, I think about a bunch of ships in a harbor 
but the, and they all have holes in them, but they some have different amounts of holes than the other. So they're they're all sinking, but they're sinking yep. at different rates. And so you know, a ship with more holes to, to that someone in that ship, it's going to look like the dollar is rising, right? Even though the ship with the do- the dollar ship is still sinking, it just right. appears to be rising in a right. relative basis, right? And that's sort of what you're talking about, right? It is. And there's an additional point I want to make on that because well, a lot of times when I'll make my point and somebody will say exactly what you just said, they will then take it a step further and say, well, so as a result, the dollar rising versus other fiats doesn't really matter. I can tell you that is absolutely BS. <laughs> the dollar rising versus other fiats is important. You can't ignore it because it will cause chaos in the markets. Even if gold and you know steel and lumber and corn and wheat are going up faster than the dollar, the dollar going up versus other fiat currencies will create chaos in the global markets. Trust me, you are not going to be. It is not going to be. It will not be a smooth phenomenon if that happens. And again, it's just it absolutely does matter, and it matters because of all the dollar debt in the world. Okay. Um, And I think to a lesser extent, it matters just sort of in expectations and its impact on other asset classes. So right now, while the dollar has been strengthening a bit over the past couple of months, it's been in a decline, or at least it's declined pretty substantially since last summer. And for the past year, it seemed like everybody on Wall Street was expecting the dollar to continue to decline, right? Right. And this is the point that I was going to make a little bit ago. I'm, I'm glad you kind of circled back to this because Again, I do believe over time, if you increase the supply of the currency, the value of the currency is going to fall versus real things. Again, I don't argue that point, but I think a lot of people think that the Fed's just out of control and as a result, the dollar is going to die, right? Okay. In the last 12 months, the US has quote unquote printed one and a half trillion dollars. That's a lot of money, right? In the last 12 months, the dollar's up, right? So. Right. If it's, you know, so in the last 12 months, printed one and a half trillion, we've got a Democratic president, we've got a Democratic Congress, we've passed three stimulus plans, an infrastructure bill, and we know another one's coming. And yet the dollar's up, right? So my point is that I'm, I'm not defending the dollar and I'm not telling you not to buy gold and I'm not telling you to not prepare for inflation. I'm just saying, if you look at the facts of the matter, it's not as simple as, you know, money printer go burr and the dollar falls. It's more complicated than that. The other thing I would say is, you know, think about all the money they've printed since 2008. Well, in 2008, the dollar index was at 80 and now it's at 90. So, you know, think about all of those QE programs, all the stimulus programs, all the bailouts. And yet the dollar is higher than it was 10 or 12 years ago. Now, and I think you, many people would say, well, but my cost of living is higher as well. So, yeah, your cost of living has gone up over 12 years, but yet the dollar's gone up over 12 years. So you can have the dollar rising versus other fiat currencies and have inflation. So I get, my, my point is, is don't get too caught up in money printer go ver, dollar goes to zero. It's not that simple. Yeah, that, that, that is, those were great explanations. And uh, again, it really underscores kind of your general message about diversification, um, which is uh, if we had, Somebody had told us, you know, 10 years ago how much 
monetary and fiscal stimulus the U.S. was going to release. The next, we, we would have just assumed the dollar would have died and we would have you know, placed a ton of bets that would have been totally wrong, like you just said. All right. All right. So I want to get to the when and the what, which, of course, is what everybody wants to know. And, and sure. the when, obviously, is the part nobody really knows with any degree of certainty. Yeah. We hope you've been enjoying this excellent discussion with fund manager and currency analyst Brent Johnson. The interview continues over in part two, where Brent shares the asset classes that he plans to, quote, go to war with in his portfolio based upon what he sees coming next in the markets. To watch part two, just click on the link provided in the description of this video below or go to youtube.com slash Wealthion. But before you go, please don't forget to hit the like button and then click the subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it if you haven't already. It only takes a second and it really does help us out, as the more subscribers this channel has, the more big name experts we can attract onto this program in the future. Oh, and if you'd appreciate a free, no strings attached portfolio review by a financial advisor who can help manage your portfolio with the risks that Brent warns of in mind, just go to Wealthion.com and we'll set one up for you. Okay, I'll see you over at part two of our video interview with Brent Johnson.